Welcome to Canada's podcast, the number one podcast for entrepreneurs by entrepreneurs. Hi, and welcome to Canada's podcast. I'm your host, Celine Williams, and today I'm here with Tugs Smith, who is the Vice President of Operations at A&T Ascension Consulting, ATAC, a virtual staffing company she co-founded with her husband, Adrian, where she manages hundreds of remote workers across North America. Having successfully led virtual teams for over 10 years, she is passionate about the opportunities that remote work provides to individuals, rural communities, and evolving businesses. As a mother of five children, Tugs fully appreciates the challenge of balancing work and family. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you very much for having me. It is a pleasure. I'm, first of all, five children. That's impressive. <laughs> uh, I, I don't even know how you balance work and family. So I definitely want to hear about that. But before we get into that, I do, I would love to hear a little bit about your journey as an entrepreneur. I think that the fact that you run a business with your husband is a, an interesting story in and of itself, let alone how you got to this point. Okay. Well, as a young girl growing up, um, my mom, my mom, my grandma were my first examples of entrepreneurship. My grandma ran restaurants, small stores. Um, I'm originally from Jamaica. My mom sold uh, things in the markets. She would go to other islands and do buying and selling, things like that. So it was a natural journey for me, but it wasn't automatic. I, when I left school, I went into corporate Canada. Um, I gathered a lot of experience. I met a lot of mentors. And then approximately 10 years ago, my husband and I were working from home. Um, with um, another company and we said you know what hold on let's try to do this or he said let's try to do this and I said no because I was eight months pregnant at the time and that's not the time to start a business <laughs> but we did it we jumped in head first we learned a lot we made a lot of mistakes and that brought us to where we are right now and at that time working from home was was a crazy phenomenon, like working from home. How can people work from home? No one understood it. It wasn't like right now in this dealing with a pandemic where everyone's from home. So we had to fight through those challenges and also ensuring that people understood that our industry is legitimate, what we do is legitimate. So that's how my entrepreneurial journey started. Um, So I appreciate what you're saying about working from home because I – the, my first experience working from home was on a, a remote team, which we called telecommuting. Yes. And it was I that. 17, I think it was almost 18 years ago now. And my team was all over the place in Canada and we telecommuted and it was, we did not, I talk about this a lot, but the technology we have now is a godsend compared to what we were doing back then. I know. I know. So, I'm curious what you have seen change inside of remote work and what from your experience, because you've done it a long time and you run a you run a company that that operates in that capacity. And then what lessons you've learned from being, you know, from being a remote worker as long as you've been, because I things have changed dramatically. In terms of technology, there have been so many great like software companies and technology companies that have just come along and just evolved everything, um, bringing things into the cloud, as simple as that is, that just makes it possible for people to telecommute and work from anywhere. So the, uh, the technology just, you get, you get used to something today, 
tomorrow there's something newer and better. So all these great minds, it's like a great challenge for um, folks that are working in technology. And I really appreciate that. One lesson that I've learned and we learned actually early on in working from home is the morale of your team matters. It's not like an office where you can run around and have a contest because our folks do customer service and sales. The morale of your team matters. When my husband and I first started working from home because we were a little outside of Toronto and we would be spending hours on the highway for one after picking kids up from daycare. And we said, we took a, a good look at our quality of life. This is not the quality of life that we want. We want something more. So that drove us to working from home, doing other things like that, and then eventually starting our business. But when we first started working from home, I myself, I felt so lonely. I was coming from a corporate call center environment where there's folks always around. There's someone over at the next desk, the next cubicle. You can socialize. There was none of that. And the environment that I was working in, it was very, we were all separated. It was all, you were all in your own silo. You were, um, there was no communication. There was no morale building. And when we started ATAC, our number one goal was to make sure that we always maintain morale. We always focus on everyone's mental health, check in. We do contests for folks to post pictures of themselves doing their hobby. Just simple things like that to bring the team in. So working from home, most important thing, morale matters because people matter. If your people are not happy, it's going to affect the productivity. Your company's not going to be successful. So you have to invest in your number one thing, which is your people. You are speaking my language. I am <laughs> 100% on board with that. I talk, I do a lot of work in culture and I talk to organizations about culture and during this pandemic, you know, working remotely and maintaining that culture, that morale to what you're talking about has been a challenge. Do you have any ways that you have found, you know, I know you mentioned like contests and posting pictures, but are there any sort of consistent things that you have found outside of those one-offs that help to maintain it in a, in a, an ongoing manner? when people are working from home and, and especially right now where a lot of people are working from home, not by choice. Well, early on, we would try to have team huddles and team meetings and get everyone into an online webinar setting, an online meeting similar to this. But we're working with folks that are all across the country, different time zones. Um, sometimes we wouldn't get as much attendance as we wanted. So I started in about 2019 or the late end of 2018 recording videos, just a simple message to the team. If we were rolling something new out or if we just wanted to say, hi, ATAC's here. Remember that you can come in. We have a sort of online water cooler where we have everyone come in and chat and post pictures. So I do a lot of video because emails, they get redundant and people can avoid them. And who wants to constantly be getting bombarded by email? So I try my hardest. I do a lot of videos to my team so they can see me. They can, they can hear the passion in my voice. They, they can hear and understand. They don't have to try to interpret from my words. Some people will see your tone and understand it. Other people will be like, oh, she's just trying to be pushy. So I do a lot of videos. And then in terms of our online 
water cooler system, as we call it. We, we use an internal chat system. We have different teams, depending on what program you're working on or what department you're in. But then we just have one large room where, as I said, we run contests. The other day, we asked everybody, what's your favorite movie and what's the last movie you've seen? And the chat room was just a buzz because people could just be themselves. They could just be comfortable. Um, people were posting pictures of their kids, having movie night, things like that. And that, I really enjoy that. And I feel those are, those are the things that help to build corporate culture. I think that's, I think that's really helpful. Thank you for sharing some of those. I, I think it's always, in my opinion, when I get a chance to talk to someone who actually has the experience with running remote teams and what works and what they've found work, I always like to ask what their experience has been because there's a lot of people who theorize this should work, this should be the thing that, and then you don't, if it's not in practice, you don't know. So I appreciate you sharing that. Another thing that comes to mind that's very important that I think some organizations forget. If you have screened someone, you've onboarded them, you've hired them to do a role in your organization, why do you now feel that you must parent and micromanage? So I try very hard with my leadership team. We don't micromanage. I have touch point meetings. Um, we go in, we talk about what's going on in your area, what's going on in your department. We kind of strategize what's, what we need, what are the deliverables I need. And I'm not going to tell you that you need to be at your desk from nine to five. My goal is that at this particular time, this report should be done. This information should be done, whatever it takes to get that done. I work with a lot of, a lot of um, wives, husbands, parents who enjoy the fact that they can take a minute away from their desk with their, with their children, walk their dog, do whatever they need to do, and then come back refreshed and get their work done. And my team is more productive. I, have, I brag about my team. We have an awesome, awesome team. And I think that's one reason because I'm, I have enough children to parent. <laughs> I'm not trying to parent other adults. That's where some organizations really lose it because even though their folks are in their own home, they're feeling just under pressure and they're feeling like they're being micromanaged and they feel like, Hey, Yvette, are you still at your desk? Da, 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 da. You have to let grownups be grownups. I believe that strongly. I, I, that's a really important lesson. I agree with you. And I think it's very challenging for people who grew up in a corporate environment where the number of hours your butt was in a seat was the number of hours you were productive. Exactly. And that's an illusion, but it's very common. And I think your point is, is you articulate your point really well, which is that that doesn't, that doesn't matter. The amount of hours your butt is in a seat is irrelevant because that is parenting. And I, and I wonder if part of the reason that that, so I have two questions inside this, actually. My first question is, have you always had that philosophy? Have you always believed that it really is about like you, I'm going to set this outcome. This is when this thing is due, whatever language you want to use. And then you do it your way as long as it's done when I expect it to be done. Have you always had that? It would be my first question. And the second question is, if not, where do you think that came from? So when I was in corporate call centers, um, I was used to the, the rigid nine to five schedule. This is when you need to be here and you need to be productive. And at the time, I wasn't really 
absorbing everything that was happening. But you know, as you walk through life, you're learning things. And you even after you might kind of look back and say, hold on a second. When we started ATAC originally, it was Adrian and myself, we did everything. We were everything. We're accountants, we're team leaders, we were everybody. And then we started to take staff on um, in leadership capacity and make departments. And then I thought about it and I thought back to my days in corporate call center culture. And there were folks that were at their desk for eight hours, but they weren't productive. They were talking to the person next to them. They were doing this, they were doing that. And in having a small company, because I always say we're a, we're a mom and pop shop dressed up as a corporation. So in having a small company, because I'm very hands-on with every element of my company, um, in having a small company, if I brought you in to help me with, let's say, workforce management, I am now trusting you to take care of the workforce management. And then I have to, in turn, trust myself that I made the right decision in hiring you. So it was an evolution over time just based on life experience. It wasn't something that I came out thinking once I start a business is exactly what I'm going to do, but it was just recognizing from having corporate experience now being the corporation, just taking a look at what's actually effective, what's really effective. And you just sitting there for eight hours and I'm paying you for eight hours, but I'm not getting the results I want versus here's a project, run with it, and let's talk about it next Tuesday, and it's going to be spectacular over time. I think you have to trust yourself as a leader, if that makes sense. And once you trust yourself that you're making the right decisions and you're putting the right people in place, let them do what you hired them to do. I think that's a good point. I think you have to trust yourself as a leader, and I think you have to trust the people around you. Exactly, exactly. And I'm, I'm curious if some of that came from, so both of my parents were entrepreneurs. Um, it sounds like you had the experience of, uh, you know, parent and grandparent who were entrepreneurial, if not full-time entrepreneurs as well. So you grew up with some entrepreneurial folks around you. Um, and I wonder if some of that comes from having been exposed to people who were entrepreneurial and were, you know, running their own time and doing their own thing and making their own way that, that some of that exposure kind of makes you go, Oh, it doesn't have to be the same way. Exactly. I, I agree because later on in life, um, I would say 10 years ago or maybe 20 years ago while I'm aging myself, my mom also, she went back into business and opened a business here um, in the West end of Toronto. And I was also, ATAC was in its infancy about 10 years ago. My mom was still in business. And I was taking a look at the fact that I was balancing the kids, doing everything that I need to do, but we were still getting things done, Adrian and I in the business. And I, I one day you kind of have that aha moment that, okay, we've gone to football practices, we've gone to groceries, we've had dinners with the kids, we've watched a movie, but all of the workload got completed but we still got to do the things we wanted to do. And that was before we started bringing folks on into the company because we're about three years in before we hired our first leadership, a uh, member of leadership staff. We always had customer service agents, but as I said, Adrian and I were the everything at that point. Um, we were young, we were in our infancy. So that also helped as well. Watching my mom run her business and balance for life because she was also working at the same time and having the store and 
hiring someone to help her to run the store, things like that. These are the things that really impacted me to understand. And then also you get, I respect people. I respect people. That in and of itself is sometimes feels exceptional when it comes to leaders in the corporate world. So I appreciate that. So I'm, you mentioned, you know, being pregnant when you started this business and, and watching your mom and kids and all of these. So I actually want to get into how you, how you find work-life balance. Five children is a few children That's, that can make for some busy schedules, I would imagine. And you have other family here, right? It's not like your husband and your children are the only family. There's other things to balance and find. So how do you, how do you find that balance? What does that look like for you personally? And how do you find it? Well, I'm the oldest of five and I have five kids and a wife. So basically you're the mother of nine is what it's. (laughs) I'm the mother of a lot of people. (laughs) So I try my very hardest and I say try because it's a work in progress and I'm not going to say that every day is perfect and I'm perfectly balanced and I hit everything out of the park and do everything I should, but I try very hard to be present in the moment that I'm in. So while the kids are at school and I'm home and I'm working, I'm present. And when they're here, I try to be present doing mom duties. That door leads out to the rest of the home. When I'm here, I'm at work. Um, I try to, I set a lot of alarms. I have a lot of alarms because you could get lost for hours in work. I said, my husband laughs at me. He says, you have an alarm for everything. I do. Um, I try to hold myself accountable and I try to make sure that I get check-ins. And then also with the little ones, I try to make time for each individual. Uh, We do a lot of group things as well, but I try to make time, even if it's just 10 minutes in every day for each person. Um, Some days it's hard. Some days we get a new project or we're onboarding a new client, but I hold myself accountable and I make sure that whatever habits I'm forming right now for this week, because I have to get everything done and I'm in the office, it's not permanent. It's for right now. And I actually hold myself accountable with my family by telling my kids, I have a new client this is what's happening. And by Tuesday, I should be done and we can go and have ice cream. So a part of the balance is also being honest with yourself and holding yourself accountable because you're not always going to be balanced. I'm, I won't even say that I'm always balanced because it won't. There's sometimes when there's mom times, like you recognize with your kids that, you know what, you need to park everything. And that particular little one, like my son, I need to have, I need to go and have a chat with him or play video games with him and see where he is, especially right now during this pandemic. The balance, that's try your best. (laughs) I think that's, I think that's important for people to remember that there's no one right way that it needs to look. And, and I often talk about work-life integration rather than work-life balance only because in my experience has been sometimes when you say balance, people want you to tell them what that has to be because there is a balance as opposed to if whatever work-life integration is for you, it feels more personal. Exactly. I will not. Sometimes when I see other people sort of portraying this idea of work life balance and like that is not true. There are times when I um, like at the end of December, when I just take time off 
and I, I usually audit. I audit my business every year. I kind of take it apart in December. I audit my business and then I rest for a week or two or whatever that needs to be. I also do that in the summer as well. And I just check out and I'm okay with it. I'm proud of it. At first I was kind of thinking, this is not the best thing for me to do. But again, it's the trust. I trust my business partner that things are going to get done. I trust the folks that I've hired in certain positions that they understand the objective of the business. They understand what we're all working towards and they'll maintain that while I check out for a little bit. So people need to acknowledge the fact that sometimes you need to take a break. Balance doesn't mean you do everything perfectly all the time. It's accountability to yourself. That's what I believe balance is. So ATAC is 10 ish years old. Is that right? In March of 2021, we'll be 10 years old. So, well, so happy early birthday, anniversary, whatever you want to call it. In the last 10 years, what have been the biggest challenges that you've faced, either as a leader or as a business, which, you know, either one, there's lessons in, but what have been your biggest challenges? Biggest challenges, there have been so many. Early on, I would say year three, we had a very big contract through a partner, a partner firm that we partnered up with, and they lost that contract. And it was one of, it almost felt like we had put all of our eggs into that basket because this is a big, big, um, big contract, a lot of revenues being generated, and we were focusing so much on making sure that everything was perfect with it. And they lost that contract which in turn we lost the contract because we were the subcontractor and we had to do a lot of reality checking we had to it was devastating we were also at the about eight months out of buying a new home where we had planned out that we would have this amount of revenue we would have all of these things and play everything it was it was perfect and then the rug got pulled out so i learned that you need to diversify even even if you sell pens, sell more than one kind of pen. You need to diversify in business. You need to always have your eye on the next thing. I try, I, when we have a client or a, a project, we focus on making sure we do that well. We deliver. However, you always have to make sure there's something in your pipeline. You always have to be evolving. And when I said that in December, I always audit ATAC. I do that. I take it apart. I don't think that everything's going well and it's perfect now. I take it apart. I pick it apart from every direction, make my tweaks and improvement, take a break and come back refreshed for the following, the following quarter. So um, that was one of the biggest lessons we learned. And I'm glad that we learned that early on. I'm really glad that we learned that early on because it's very easy to get comfortable and to get cozy and everything's working and this is so awesome you have to always and being an immigrant in canada i immigrated to canada when i was eight years old i know what it's like to build here so i brought that into my business as well that you always have to be building and you always have to be looking for the next thing with that loss coupled together diversify i'm really curious I, I mean, yes, and <laughs> I agree. And I'm really curious how much of that immigrant experience and, and learning to build in Canada 
you know, starting new, you and your mom starting new in Canada, how much of that is part of the reason that you do something that so few entrepreneurs and business owners do, which is pull apart your business every December instead of doubling down on what worked in the past, which is what most entrepreneurs and organizations, corporate does it too. Like it's not even entrepreneurs, but most people, they're like, oh, this thing worked. I am going to double down on this. How can I systemize this one thing that then because beca- that's how you scale and everyone gets very focused on that as opposed to doing what you do, which is very unique. Well, I coming to Canada at eight years old, um, being an immigrant here, as, as you said, just myself and my mom and building from absolute scratch is everything. It's woven into my identity. It's it, it's in the way that I run my business and the way that I respect everyone. Being an immigrant, you kind of learn that unfortunately some folks will look at you and you are your situation. You're not, you're, you're not a human. You're a, a Jamaican or you're a newcomer or you're not you. So I try very hard to make sure that my team, they don't lose their identity being a part of our team. I actually welcome that. I want that. I want to know where you're from and I want you to bring your input. And I know I'm kind of going off of the question a little bit, but that foundation for me, it's everything in the way I do everything. I I love that. And I think that that is very powerful that you see people for who they are and you want to know their situation and you want to know where they're from and what their story is. So my parents are both immigrants. My parents are not visible minorities. They're Italian and Welsh. Like they, so I wonder if the added, like your mother and you are a visible minority in Canada. That's, it's real. I wonder that that combination of we are immigrants and we are a visible minority, how much of that has informed or how that has informed how you show up as a leader and how you run your teams? All of it. All of it. And then we have to add female as well. So I make sure when I get into any situation, any room, that's not always the front of my mind, but I make sure that I, my mom always said, she always said, um, when we're leaving the house, you better make sure that you, 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 you're put together because when you walk outside, you represent me So represent me properly because I raised you properly. (laughs) So your mom and my mom would have gotten along very well. I'm just saying. So definitely it's everything. I know I know what some people see, people who don't know me, or what their perceptions are, but I make sure I walk with my head held high and I make sure that I give the same respect to everyone on my team because I understand that we're not just all our situation, we're not all our location. We're all human beings, right? So that really, really, really has been a strong influencer on how I run my business because I work with a team of men and women across North America, the majority of them being in Canada. And they're all from different walks of life. I had a goat farmer on my team. Like it was so awesome. She would share pictures of- Amazing. Yeah, she would share pictures of like newborn baby goats and puppies on her farm. Like it was so neat. 
but these are the people that add to our corporate culture and make, I've had folks come back to us that have gone out in the, into the world because they want to, you know, get a full-time job out in the world, dress up, put makeup on, and they come back and they say, you know what, this family environment that you have, it's, it's real. And I miss it a lot. If you have anything part-time, let me know. <laughs> like, definitely, 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 definitely. So that's a part of everything I do. I would imagine that it makes you that much more empathetic and understanding as a leader to have grown up as a woman, as an immigrant. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> all, these are, I mean, I think a lot of people think of them as adversities and I'm air quoting that because I don't think they are. I think, I think our adversities are almost always our strengths in the end, but for other people, it can seem that way. And I, it sounds to me like your strengths are really what helps you be the leader, helps you run the company that you run. Yeah. Cause I never, I never make excuses. My mom would never, she didn't raise us to make excuses or use our situation as crutches or whatever that would be. If you are having a bad day, that's not your employers. Not that it's not their business, but you're not going to go in and be toxic and take everybody down with you. Or I'm having a bad day. Everybody know. My mom always sort of raised us to be strong. Put on your smile. It doesn't matter. Other people's opinion of you is none of your business. You be your best you. You go out there into the world. I think that I think you be your best you is advice that everyone should hear growing up. And most people do not. Just be your best you. Don't use your excuses. Because, of course, you know, I know I'm visible minority. No, I'm female. I know I'm female. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I know I'm an immigrant to this country, but all of these things are just, they're a part of my foundation and they're not my definition. And some people do, they, they kind of do use that as, you know, it's adversities and people are kind of like, oh, you know, but no, I've earned everything that I have and I'm very proud, very, very proud. And I respect everyone who's around me and on my team because they also have their own stories. Absolutely. And I think what you said around those things are really your foundation. And that's why air quoted adversity, right? Because I don't think they're adversities. A lot of people have, we taught, we, you hear that rhetoric, yes, yes. but I think what you said around foundation, that's really the key. These are your foundational elements. This is what, this is where you're starting from. These are the things that are core to your identity and true to who you are. And they are not excuses. They are, that is, I get to start from this pedestal. Exactly. So I want to be mindful of time. But I do want to ask, so I have a, one last question I'm going to ask at the very end. But before we get to that, which is because that's a little bit more fun. Is there anything, so our, most of our listeners are entrepreneurs. Most of our viewers are entrepreneurs or aspiring entrepreneurs potentially. Is there any advice that you would give someone who is looking to start a business or running a business from your experience, especially transitioning from a corporate environment to an entrepreneur environment, because there are differences and running a business is really different than being in a business. So is there any advice that you would have based on your experience that you would want to share? Do your research. Research is key. Understand what you're getting into and not just for face value. Do your research. If you can find a mentor and this does not have to be an official type of relationship. This could be just someone you trust and you value their opinion and you think that they're going to be honest with you. Find a mentor 
who it would be great if they have that industry knowledge, but if they're also just a professional or they run a business, find a mentor, do your research, and then believe in your idea. Believe in your idea and put yourself into it and understand that a lot of your first 2,000 or 5,000 hours are going to be unpaid, (laughs) depending on the business you're in. But look, ask yourself, do I want to wake up every morning and be thinking about, let's say you're selling cardboard boxes. Do I want to be thinking about cardboard boxes every morning? Does this make me, does this ignite some sort of passion within me? You have to love what you're doing. Because once you love what you're doing, it doesn't matter how many hours a day you're doing it. You'll start working and kind of be like, oh my gosh, it's midnight. I guess I should go to bed. So find your passion, do research, and try to find a mentor or find a peer group of other professionals that you can lean on. And don't look for yes people. The worst thing that can happen to an entrepreneur is a yes person that says, yes, 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 yes. You should definitely do that. I think you should make that investment. You want somebody that's going to challenge you or challenge you to think before you do something or give you um, good ideas that you can build on. So surrounding yourself with the right people, I guess, would be one of my things. Either a mentor, peer group, and research. And love what you do. I think that's, I mean, I think that is beautiful advice and uh, you know i hate the rhetoric that we have around uh like a a self-made man or woman right self-made nobody is self-made we are all community made and you know there's a a guy here in toronto who runs a podcast called community made because he believes in a version of that but really it is about community you're not in this by yourself and i think that's a great reminder for entrepreneurs that that the people around you matter exactly they do. And there is no such thing. I have great mentors in my life. I have a couple of people who are my mentors that don't know they're my mentors, but I know I can pick up the phone and call and just discuss something and they'll give me great feedback, great advice. And they'll sometimes say, yep, that's a great idea. Or they'll say, you know what, let's take that one. Let's, let's workshop that and talk about it again. And I appreciate that. That's what I need, right? I don't need people to just say yes. Yeah. I love that. Um, so last fun question, you might've noticed I have a few books on a shelf back here. Um, do you have any books or podcasts or resources that you love? And it doesn't have to be, you know, self-help, whatever, but that just have a lot of meaning for you that you would like to share with our listeners. You know what? A friend of mine, actually, um, and she's probably doesn't even know this, McKinney Smith. Um, she wrote a book called A Walk in My Stiletto, and it's sort of um, a biography of hers, but I haven't read the book because I don't want to read her book because I want to see her the way I see her. Um, but she has a line of, um, she does like motivational speaking. She does podcasts. She's always on time. She's always on time. So McKinney is somebody that I follow, um, and I listen to her podcast. And just women, I try to just keep an eye and follow and read a lot of women that are authentic and transparent. I'm very attracted to authentic and transparent. That's great. Thank you. Thank you for joining me today, Tugs. It's been great talking with you. And I know it's going to be super valuable for our, our folks. So thank you. It's much appreciated. Thank you.